Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out, it's only menus to be buried with. is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Menus to be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am an actor, a writer, a comedian, a sous chef, and I'm indifferent to food. As Dr. Zeus once said, you know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. And doesn't Marmite taste good with pretty much everything when you think about it? Fair play, Dr. Zeus, you're not wrong. Acast are bringing your favourite podcasters together for a special series of podcast mashups in support of Red Nose Day. As you all know, Comic Relief is a tremendous charity and we are doing a special episode today where instead of Films to be Buried With, which is my normal podcast, I am mashing it up with the brilliant James Acaster and Ed Gamble, their off-menu podcast. We're mashing it up, so they're coming, I'm going to kill them off and we're, instead of talking about the films that mean the most to them, we're going to talk about the meals that mean the most to them. I mean, I don't know why I put it, you know what I mean, it's still the same people, I don't know why I put the emphasis on them. Anyway, get involved this Red Nose Day you can help people living incredibly tough lives if you can please give now at comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup uh we recorded this the other day 
Me, Acaster, Gamble. What a dream it was. A dream restaurant? No, it wasn't. I killed them. They lived in a graveyard. I hope you enjoy this episode very much. Thank you for listening. Donate to Comet Relief. One last time, cometrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. I very much hope you enjoy this special edition of Menus to be Buried with. And welcome to Men Used to Be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an Uber fan, the biggest fan of my podcast there's ever been, and I've sworn I'd give him a chance to be on it once. He keeps telling me he has been on it. I find it difficult to remember. But please welcome to this very special comic relief special edition of Films to be Buried With, where we won't be talking about films, we'll be talking about food, which is something I genuinely couldn't give a shit about. Please welcome to the show, the amazing <laughs> Mr. Peddy Pambles! Oh, thanks, Brett. Thank you. Peddy Pambles. <laughs> oh, oh, no! Welcome, Peddy Pambles, to the graveyard. We've been expecting you for some time. Oh, man. Oh, this guy always interrupts oh. everything I do. This now seems like a ventriloquist <laughs> act, doesn't it? <laughs> Take your top oh, off. This is... <laughs> Take your top off, Bradley. Oh, hang on. Brett. This is my inner voice. It's become a genie. I'm the genie of the graveyard. Brett Goldstein, take your top off. <laughs> Please also welcome to the show, the genie. I'm the genie of the graveyard. And listen, Brett. Yeah. The people want you to take your top off. That is what happens. You're Roy Kent. Yeah. You're Roy Kent with your beautiful hairy chest yeah. and every single scene you have your top off and that's what people know you for it's your brand and we need that in the episode i tell you what you really realize how high concept both our podcasts are when you try and mash them <laughs> together right and james has to pretend to be a genie of a graveyard and that we're both dead and we get buried with food is that what's happening oh wait i'd forgotten to tell you that you're both dead. What? You're both dead. Yeah, you're dead, you're dead. The genie's dead, finally, thank God. And Petty Pambles, <laughs> I'm sorry, before you had the chance to get on the podcast, you died. Oh, no. You're both dead. Oh, man. How did you die, though? Genies can't die. You think that, but once the free wishes have used up, dead. That's the tragedy of the genie. They never te- Do you not know that about genies, the legends of they genies? They get, you get You get three wishes. Once you've done the free wishes, genie's dead. Like like a wasp that's used its stinger, dead. That's true. Do you not remember Aladdin when, when he does the three wishes at the end and then and then he dies, he explodes and he's dead. Do you remember? Well, I don't remember that. I must have buried that in my head because it must have been very traumatic for me watching that as a young genie. Yeah, that's why the live action one's particularly sort of shocking because Will Smith is so beloved, and he goes, yeah. oh, "One more wish, please." And they go, and "Will you remember?" Will Smith keeps going, "Seriously, do you need a third? And Aladdin's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Just one more. You said three. And he goes, yeah, I know I said it, but do you need the third? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he says, oh, I, I wish for some peanut butter. And Will Smith's like, are you kidding me? That was what? And then he died. <laughs> the perfect riff for this particular episode, uh, Brett managed to get films and end it with a food reference with the peanut butter there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very good. Not many people could have done that. Thank you very much. The top stays on, though, I notice. I notice he's keeping the top on. The, the thing is, I, I'd take it off. It's, it's obviously, it's quite threatening. You keep saying, take it off, take it off, like like this mm, is the Masked mm. Singer or something. But this is an audio <laughs> podcast, so the only people I'd be taking it off for is you, you and Ed, which 
again, mm. I'm I'm not against doing. Man, yes. that would be such a rubbish version of the ma- the Masked Singer if it you could see exactly who they were, but at the end they had to take their tops off if they got voted out. And and, then, and they do it just for Joel Domit. No one else gets to see it. Oh. But they just go in a room with Joel and take their top off, and Joel comes out and goes, "It was a good, good, good stuff." <laughs> Well, yeah, he, Joel would take his top off and the end, the winner of the final would be anyone who had a better body than Joel, as oh. judged by Joel. Yeah, yeah, so no one. Joel would make that decision, no. yeah. Joel would win every, every single series of The Masked Singer would be won by Joel and he wins it every time. <laughs> and it's just him in a room with a person going, take it off, take mine off. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, we're here for our favourite TV show, Comic Relief. It's my favourite my favorite night of the year. I like it more than Christmas, actually, Comic Relief. Because it combines comedy and relief. And I like yeah. both of those things very, very, very much. And it's nice to be able to contribute in some way to that. You two, we're here to talk about food. Because you have a podcast called Off Menu. Yes, yes. Um, and you know what? I'm a huge fan of that podcast. And it really works, despite the fact that I have almost no interest in food. Yeah, this is cra- This is the crazy thing, Brett. You, you, I've mm. never met anyone with less interest in food than you. You just Mad. don't care, do Joel you? Joel Domit? Joel Domit, maybe. But but at least he's. I think he's thinking about food like, I've got to consume this food so I can go and do my CrossFit. I think you mm. just walk yeah. around. You you do you, you told me you do an exercise class with some mums every day, and then that's all you do. <laughs> and that's it. I go back to bed. Here's a food I like, coleslaw. I fucking love coleslaw. I love oh it. God. I love it. Oh my! And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little secret about Ted Lasso. Sometimes they say to me, "What do you want for lunch?" And I say, "A shit ton of coleslaw." No, Brett, are you kidding? That's all he eats. That's why in some it. of those shots, when Brett's walking around with his top off, you can see in his chest hair is just some mayonnaise, bit of carrot. What's that? In, what, what's that? In his, in his, in his chest throw there, bit of cabbage hanging off his nipple. Yeah, <laughs> what's, what's that in there for? Is he? Is he? Savagely in a bucket of coleslaw before filming this scene. <laughs> Has he had an aggressive amount of coleslaw? <laughs> anyway, look, you two have died. How did you die? Oh, I'm dead again. Just to let everyone know, I have me and James have both done Brett's podcast twice. We've died yes. and then been brought back from the dead. And now mm. we're going to die again. Yeah. Oh, no. How did you die mm. this time? Well, I'm a genie this time. So I guess, according to you, I've given someone three wishes and then got and then died. Yeah. What was the last wish you gave to someone and what was it? The last wish that someone gave was they said, um, I'd like to win the Masked Singer. And that person was Joel Domit. And I sorted oh. it out for him so that he would win every single series because the new <laughs> rules are that they take their top off and if they haven't got as good a body as Joel, they lose and Joel wins. Really? So that was the last dream that I made come true. That was worth dying for. Well, yeah, it was actually. I got an email uh, mm-hmm. asking me to do an audition for Ted Lasso. And yep. I was got so nervous that when I was in the audition room, a vein in my brain exploded. Wow. Yes. And I died. And that wasn't part of the script. No, and it was still the best audition I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we I remember Jason saying to me, That was amazing improv that he did with his forehead. And I said, yeah. No, he's he had, he's actually died. Did you not notice <laughs> when dead. the ambulance people came and took his body away? Like, yeah, great improv. <laughs> he was like, That was real commitment to the bit. <laughs> I auditioned for Ted Lasso, 
and I had to audition. Mm. It, it was one of the uh, scenes that Brett had written, and it was very confusing. <laughs> uh, the, uh, so many stuff, so many references to Nick Mohammed, and uh, <laughs> and it was just basically me comment commentating on an orgy that was taking place in the uh, in, in, yeah. in the changing room, and using everyone's off off camera names. It was very weird. <laughs> yeah, the scene I, I had to do one of Brett's scenes as well. Um, yes, and mm. it involved mm. me. Um, it involved me. I think the the phrase was burrowing inside Giles from Buffy's pants. Yes. Oh, yes. He calls him Giles from Buffy all the time yeah. in the script. I forgot that. He always says, and then Giles from Buffy gets his tight buns out. I know you keep you both keep texting me going. It's weird. I've watched the season and none of the scenes you made me audition for mm. seem to have made the final cut. Yeah. <laughs> and just to let you know, that was just that's just how it works. Like, oh, you know, okay. We shot them all, obviously, yeah. but it was to do with time, running time, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Because you said Jason Sudeikis was going to be there, but I knew it was you with a piece of paper that said Jason Sudeikis on it. <laughs> yes. And it, and it, well, yeah, but but <laughs> it was me. I was there for J- Jason was on a Zoom that you couldn't see. He And he was so grateful that you did it. Oh, he, cool. said, yeah. he said, those guys were amazing and we should use them. But the running time is how we can use those scenes. But I've, I've kept them, obviously. What do you think happens when you die and you're into food? In Ratatouille, Gusto is a ghost, and he uh, helps a rat find his, uh, you know, find his inspiration and become a chef. So I think in the food world, you become a ghost, and then you help an animal that isn't a human uh, become a chef. Okay. So that's yes. If we're going, if we're doing the film uh, food crossover, I would say that I've become a ghost, and now I'm trying to help probably yeah a gerbil or another kind of rodent, uh, chinchilla maybe. Uh, become mm-hmm. a chef in a high-end restaurant. Similar to to the film in Rat, the film Ratatouille, do you think the chinchilla is a secret thing? Yes, yeah. The chinchilla is uh, he lives under the jumper of a of a young pot washer and uh, pull, pulls his nipples to move all of his limbs, <laughs> uh, and basically just becomes the best pot washer in the world. So, but if I go to that restaurant, I don't know the chinchillas. No. If I see the chinchilla, I'm I'm not impressed. No, you'd be furious. But everyone's like, you've got to go to this restaurant. It's the cleanest dishes, cleanest plates I've mm. ever eaten off of. It's so hygienic. It's yeah. so great. And then obviously there'd be a bit in the film where they discover the chinchillas doing it all. And they're like, this is the opposite of good hygiene. We're shutting this down. Mm. And then the chinchilla would end up with its own kind of like company at the end, I imagine. What's the name of the company? Uh, good. Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, I I think that maybe they would uh they would they would specialize in like chilled foods, and it'd be called like you know, chinchilla, 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 chill. Yeah. yeah, chinchilla. Really good. Uh, Edgar, yeah, yeah. What 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 do you think happens after you die and you care about food? Uh, they probably think oh, I'll get some organs out of him to donate them to other people, and then realize they're useless because I've spent my life eating fat yes because you are you are a human foie gras yeah because i I am like a force-fed goose of a human being yes (laughs) but he's done it to himself there's awful photos of ed on the internet yeah blurry photos from inside in my house where i've got i've just hammered a funnel down my own neck and i'm just pouring fat and bacon fat into it and stuff well good news you're both right that's exactly what happens um (laughs) But so, so what we're doing, the three of us are having a meeting at Chinchillas and uh, it's quite cold because he only sells chilled food. But we're hanging out. We've, we've, put, we've, put, warm, we've put warm coats on and, um, and the people at Chinchilla, which is also a sort of heaven in a way, uh, are, they want to know about your life that you just left, but they want to know about it 
through the medium of meals you've eaten. And uh, what they want to know first is, uh, uh, Petty Pambles and the Genie, what's the first meal you remember eating? It's Well, look, let's not beat around the bush. I can't remember it, but likelihood is, first meal I ate was my mum's titty milk. Nice. <laughs> but I can't remember that, which is a blessed relief for both me and my mum, that we can look each other in the eye, and I don't remember that. Yeah. But I've, I remember incidents. She remembers it. <laughs> she remembers it, yeah, but it'd be weird if I did. Sure, but like you say, it's a blessed relief for you both, but like... Uh, maybe for mums, it is always weird forever. Yeah, maybe. You, you can't remember it, it's fine for you, but maybe for mums, they always look at us and go, oh, Ugh, God, God oh, that. no. Yeah. Can't believe we did that. <laughs> I guess it would be weird if you said uh, it was the first and best meal. Uh, yeah. Was my <laughs> oh, mom. I should say that's my answer for all the questions. Okay. <laughs> hey, my, my, I, I never had it. I never had, my mum never did it to me. So really, tells, oh, tells you everything suddenly you everything's explained. Everything is fallen <laughs> into place. Absolutely, everything makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you're such a healthy-looking man, Brett. I I feel mm. like if you ever wanted to hop on board the anti-breastfeeding movement, you'd be the poster boy for that. Yeah, you'd be like, I didn't have titty milk, and look at me. She just used to pump protein shakes into my mouth <laughs> as a baby. Yeah, little baby Roy Kent. <laughs> Oh, mama, mama, Very hairy mama. chest, little baby. Yeah, give me some coleslaw. <laughs> Go on, Ed. What's the first meal you had? I remember, remember. I remember. I remember this. We were on holiday in Grenada. I was a small boy. <laughs> to the table was delivered the, a bowl of green stuff. It was. Mm. Callaloo, which I believe is spinach soup. This is your first meal you remember? This is Callaloo. Yeah, this is one of them, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like maybe four or five. Okay. And I said, I'm not having that. You Come on, I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm not going to knit spinach on, soup. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And my mum said, spinach is what Popeye eats to make him strong. Yeah. Yes. I ate that whole goddamn bowl of Callaloo. Yes. Look at you now. So Riddled sure. with diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> so weak. So weak. That's lovely, that. She, was, she wasn't wrong. That is what made Popeye strong. He had a whole song about it. He was quite, he, he was a real, like, yeah. propaganda machine for the old spinach. But here's yeah. what I think about that, though, is he must have been slightly strong beforehand because he often just squeezes the can of spinach and it pops open. You need to be <laughs> fucking strong to do that to start yeah. with. Yeah, That's you're true. already strong. He's got good genes from the off. He's left that bit out, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's gone, I, I, I'm quick to the finish because I eat my spinach and I've got a sort of good genes. Yeah. yeah. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> Plus, P.S., I was already strong. Uh, the genie, what about you? What's the first meal you remember eating? I ge- this is going to sound like I'm just saying it because of the film and stuff, but I genuinely think it was a ratatouille-type dish that it was courgettes and this, like, tomatoey sauce... And I remember we had it quite a lot at home. Uh, my mum would make it a lot, and maybe there would be some pasta involved. Um, and that, I just remember having that loads as a kid growing up. And I don't remember having it past a certain age. I, I think like maybe it was just in my primary school, and it stopped being cooked after a while, stopped being part of the repertoire. But like I remember, why do you think it stopped? I think um, yeah, my mum's always been uh, you know good chef, but I think she's got better and better over the years and more adventurous 
and that started to be something like, nah, that's child's play. I'm doing mm. better stuff now. And like that was one of the simple dishes early on when like, you know, she had three little kids running around who were maniacs and was like, right, doing this quick for them. Get that done. I remember that and skin on chips that you know, we had a little fryer. Um, and again, that was a brief time in my life where we had a fryer at home. But yeah, mum would do skin on chips and we'd have them with the ratatouille and I'd eat, eat that. But we didn't call it ratatouille. It wasn't really called anything. To, well, not to us. We weren't asking. As a kid, you don't really go, what, what do you call this dish, mother? <laughs> I would. Yeah, Edward. <laughs> Edward have said that. But your mum doesn't go, we're having stew tonight. She doesn't say, "Yeah, she must have given it a title. We're having yeah. the thing I'm going to stop cooking soon. Yes. So make the most of it because it's never coming back. Yes. We're having the tomato thing with courgettes in. Yeah. Not ratatouille, but you know what I mean. She wouldn't have said that, would she? <laughs> no, no, she wouldn't have said that. I don't, I don't, she wasn't really declaring it to anyone. All we cared about, and this won't surprise Ed, is all as ACASTERS were asking all the time was what's for dessert, what's yeah. for pudding. Mm. And, um, you know, because we were highly motivated by pudding, it would just be, it would always just told it's a surprise and you have to eat your main course first. And so we'd shovel that down. What was the surprise? That there wasn't dessert? Well, sometimes it was something great. Sometimes it was ice cream. We were, we were over the moon. But often it was mm. natural yogurt with some raisins, and we absolutely went berserk. We oh, were like, man. "Are you are you kidding me, Mum? We got really angry." <laughs> That's a cruel surprise. That is very cruel. Yeah, surprise. I like that now. I'd love, I'd love to be offered natural yogurt with raisins now. Mm. You deserve. Well, good job you're dead. <laughs> be a waste of a living mouth. <laughs> Pop-a-dums or Brett? Uh, <laughs> it's a crossover episode. Pop-a-dums or Brett? Oh, I love it. Oh, I. Oh no, I had one ready for you. Fuck. This is a crossover episode, and I'm asking you both: Pop-a-dums or Brett? Oh, Brett for me all the time. If I went for a curry, and they yeah. said. Mm. Do you want us to bring out the normal poppadoms or shall we bring your friend Brett Goldstein out here and you can have a chat with him? I'd say, mm-hmm. bring me Brett Goldstein, please. Yes. That's really sweet. I, I, I'd take poppadoms over myself. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. But popcorn or Ed? Popcorn <laughs> or Ed? <laughs> you've, gone, <laughs> you've, gone to, <laughs> you've gone to the cinema yeah. and you're on your own and you get to the counter and the man says, popcorn or Ed? Popcorn or Ed? Do you want popcorn or do you want your friend, friend Ed Gamble to come and join you at the cinema? That's so easy. I would easily choose Ed Gamble. Um, not only because I like watching films with Ed, but also mm. I'm not that much of a fan of popcorn anyway. So it's not even... Um, right. Let me get this straight. I would probably choose Ed Gamble over, you know, some Ben and Jerry's before going to the cinema. Yeah, and that's, that, that's big stuff. Wow. But, uh, but popcorn is not a... That's, I don't care about the popcorn. Me and James went to the cinema to see Mother to, uh, uh, together. Oh, here we go. And, Instantly uh, regret bigging him up now. I know, I know it's about to come. I know no, it's I, think, I think we were here good. We go. we I'm, were, a we're a good... I'm a dumbass, apparently, Brett. We're a good pair at the cinema. Here we go. Here we go, Brett. Apparently, I'm a thick piece of shit. No, I'm just saying we came out of the film mm. and I was, you know, throwing out some theories there as to what the <laughs> film might be about and what might be some of the, some of the subtext of the film. Uh, and I was going. Maybe it's about you know Mother Nature. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the you know the story of Christianity. Maybe it's all of these things. Uh, and it turns out James just hadn't thought about any of that and just thought it was a weird story. I'd liked it, but I'd taken it all completely literally. And yeah, we came out and I said, I world. said, well, it was stressful. I'll give it that. That was a stressful film. And then Ed was like, I think it's the story of Genesis, isn't it? It's the book of Genesis, and it's uh, it's Mother Nature and God. And I was like. 
you've blown my mind. <laughs> I want to see that film again now under that lens. I'm so glad I didn't choose popcorn. Yeah. And he was like, are you serious? Are you serious? You didn't even think about any of that stuff? I was like, no, I just watched the film. And there were two people in our house and people kept coming to the house. <laughs> and then since then, Brett, I've watched films mm. and I've really thought about what they're about because my friend Ed Gamble taught me it's not just what's going on on screen. Yeah. Sometimes it all represents other stuff. You know, my, I've, I've told this on a podcast, but you know Lolly Adafoe, babe. Yeah. We all love her. Yes. Uh, my favourite thing with her in films is I'd said to her, you should see Mother. She went to see Mother. She texted me. She said, Bradley, that is the worst film I've ever seen. I replied, is it? She <laughs> half an hour wrote back, just talked about it. I think it's the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> to donate £5, text the word COMIC to 70205. Text cost your donation amount plus your standard network message charge. And 100% of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be 16 or over, and please ask the bill payer's permission. For full terms and conditions, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. What is the meal that made you cry the most? Have you ever cried at a meal? Man, you're obsessed with making people cry. This guy. He loves it. I have cried at a meal before. Great. Yeah, go on. No, Don't it's worry. nice. This is a nice story. Okay, okay, good. I was in Japan. Oh, I know mm-hmm. what this is going to be. Here we go. Whoa. No, it's not. It's, it's tell we were, a nice story, Gene. Me and Get my a sick bucket ready. This is, this is me disgusting. and my new fiance, as in she was newly my fiance, as in I've not got a new fiance. Not now. the newest. Not the newest. Okay. No, current and new at the time. Right. Went to an amazing restaurant in Tokyo called Inoa, and I was just very happy. So I had a little cry. <laughs> he had just got engaged and he was in the, this amazing place abroad and they were eating a lovely meal and he cried because he was so happy. And I just had a little, a little cry, Brett. But just a few tears, you know, you can't, you can't do it. Brett's you can't do it too openly, can you? It looks like he's crying right now. <laughs> yeah. Are you crying or laughing, Brett? That. I'm crying. I can't handle that. <laughs> can't handle that level of sincere emotion. Also... I was shit face. Oh, <laughs> God. Wine pairings, am I right? What did your newest fiance say when she saw you crying at, at this restaurant? She was uh, also overtaken by emotion, but in a way, facially, she, she um, suggested that she was also disgusted with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went right back to being incredibly boring about the food, Brett. And then everything was back to normal. <laughs> Listen, well done. You're, you're very. I forget that you occasionally have glimmers of being very emotionally open, and I really should get you on the podcast one day. What about <laughs> you? Uh, what about you, the genie? Is it, have you ever? What's the meal that made you cry the most? I don't think I've ever cried at a meal. If I'm honest, no, I don't think you've ever cried. <laughs> I cry. Come on. I've cried. Give me some credit. You've had a go. I've seen it. You've had like a robot trying, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Face, stabbing it with water. You cry like you're having a difficult shit. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I cry during a difficult shit. So no food, no food has made you cry. I don't think so. I've eaten food that I've loved. I don't think I've ever eaten food that's made me so happy that I want to cry. I've cried so much I want to eat some food. Sure. Now we're talking. That's different. <laughs> have a good cry and then like, I mean to eat some food, you know. I've, I've told the story many a times of when I stayed up one night 
during a particularly bad year in my life. Got absolutely smashed on my own, started crying, and then ate some cold lasagna out of the fridge, and it was delicious. That's probably my, you know, the, the closest we're going to get to crying and eating food is that night in my life. Been a very lucrative meal, that cold lasagna. <laughs> yeah, I really did well out of that. No one told me at the time. This is going to go better for you than you think it is, James. <laughs> What's a meal that's meant to be bad? People are like, oh, I don't like that meal. I really look down on that meal. But you two love that meal, no matter what. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? When you take questions that are meant for films, yeah. to be about films, and you try and apply them to the world, world of food, you're like, oh, food and films really aren't very similar. <laughs> <laughs> but this works better than if we did it the other way around and asked Brett, what's your favourite dessert meal, right? The dessert film, yeah, what's your favourite? Sorry, dessert film, I can't even say it properly. Oh. Um, <laughs> a food that everyone says they hate, but I really like. Oh, I know yeah. that for Ed. Uh, go on then. You like brains. Wow. He loves brains when he goes to an Indian restaurant. He loves to eat the brains. I, no, I, if anything's on a menu, uh, a nice restaurant that seems a bit odd or I've not had it before... Of course I'm going to order it. Brains. Brains. Whose brains is it you're eating? I don't know whose brain it is, actually. <laughs> you should check. Oh. You, I do feel like you should ask before you eat and consume their intelligence. Whose brain am I taking on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you're worried it'd be, it'd be like a like a film where you eat their brain and then yeah. you take on them, you Become eat their memories. A... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to eat uh, someone's brain who's like an actor or a director or in the mm. film industry... Whose brain would you eat? Instead of being, say, Michelle Pfeiffer in Grease 2, instead of eating Michelle Pfeiffer's brains, I'd eat Maxwell Caulfield's brains so I could experience being with Michelle Pfeiffer rather than being Michelle Pfeiffer. I see. But also I'm I'm getting to be in Grease 2 and, you know, ride a motorbike and sing songs, you know. I think we could ask a million people that question and no one would say that answer. No, definitely not. I actually wrote down steamed broccoli for that answer, but I prefer the oh. brains chat. What, uh, what What about you, Jeannie? Whose brains would you like to eat? Um, I would like to eat a really clever person's brains in case you then get really clever off the back of it. Um, obviously, in a Ed's film... Ed's brain. Ed's brain. You want if, Ed's brain. If I was thinking about characters in films, uh, yeah. I would like to eat Bradley Cooper's character in the film Limitless when he's taken the pill. I would like mm. to then eat his brains and see how clever I would feel. That's one of the few things in films that I, I like. If someone was like, you can make something from a film reel and try it, I would mm. like to have the limitless pill. I get that, but he doesn't use yeah. it properly. You wouldn't want his brain, because the first thing he does when he takes the limit- limitless pill is fuck his landlord. <laughs> <laughs> He's first brainy. You've got to be brainy for stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be real clever. <laughs> not many people you've met have fucked their landlord because they're not smart enough to do it. <laughs> Only very smart people which, have done it. Which real-life person's <laughs> brain would you like to eat, the genie? I guess I would like to eat Brian Cox's brain. I would like, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd order Brian Cox's brain, and then I wouldn't know if I was going to get the science guy <laughs> or the actor. Yeah, that's And then I'd eat it, and then I'd see how I turned out at the end. And if I was like... Oh, space is dead good. I love space. Space is so cool. Then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the science guy. And if I was like, now fuck off. <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, you're Brian Cox. Really good. You're Brian Cox, the first one. 
was so yeah. bad that I was I wasn't holding up much hope for the fuck off. But oh, great, yeah. really good, really good. Yeah. Watched all of that recently as well. So I know, I know. Me too. I watched, watched all of it recently. Watched all of it. Yeah, and every single sentence with now fuck off. I love it. <laughs> um, what's the meal you 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 loved it years ago? Could be your mother's milk. Could be anything from years ago. <laughs> Actually, on, no, just, this is just, just going to just going to cross something out. <laughs> Uh, the meal you loved years ago but does not hold up for you anymore ed gambles uh as james knows i was a very a very precocious child when it came to food anyway so i think very quickly my parents realized that to not give me any of the stuff that you're supposed to give kids that kids genuinely like um because i wasn't into it like so i think the food i'd started eating from quite a young age is still the sort of food i like now so once I went to a wedding when I was a kid uh, and um, there was a separate table for the kids' food uh, and I didn't want any of it and they were all eating like nuggets and stuff, carrot sticks, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I was like, nuggets and carrots. Dad, I'm not having that. No way. I'm not touching the kids' table stuff. Who do you think I am? It's bland. It's flavorless. I'm not going to sit with those jumps and eat that. I want to sit with you and I want to eat what the adults are having. And he was like, okay, I'll go and check. And they were like, well, we sort of budgeted for a certain amount of adults and a certain amount of kids. So is it okay for you? And my dad was like, it's so much easier if you just give them some of the adults food. And there was a bit of an argument over it. It nearly ruined the day. Uh, But um, that's what I like to call the first time I tasted poached salmon. Eddie, you say you don't like poached salmon anymore. No, I, like, I do like poached salmon a lot. I will rarely, I'll rarely have a poached salmon. But I think what I was saying was that most... I actually... It's probably the other way around for me. I probably enjoy, like, kids' food more now. Like, chicken nuggets, I quite like mm-hmm. now. But probably as a child, I saw it as a sign of immaturity to have that sort of thing. The genie, what is... What is a meal that you used to love? You don't love it anymore? I have two answers for this. I don't know which one to go with. It's not a meal... But when I was a yeah, when I was a kid, I, all my pocket money went on penny sweets from the shop, and I loved you know just hard boiled sweets, chewy sweets. The more sugar on them, the better. The fizzy ones, all that kind of stuff. Now I still have a very big sweet tooth, but I prefer chocolate and cake and stuff. And sweets are too much for me. I can't handle sweets, and it makes me feel. It makes me feel like my, my teeth are dissolving just thinking about them. I mean, that's probably the biggest one because it used to be my whole life revolved around sweets mm. and that's all I ever wanted. And now it's like, no, thank you. I think it's going to erode my entire jaw. Also, another answer is that when I was 17, maybe 18, I went through a stage of every single day having a peanut butter and bacon sandwich and I would uh, <laughs> eat that. Oh. every. Me and my friend wow. Graham. Both got into peanut butter and bacon sandwiches because we've seen the TV. Mate, we've done a hundred episodes of a food podcast. Never heard that before. (laughs) Haven't you? Peanut butter and bacon. I want to try it. We watched a TV series called Ed, which is about a a lawyer who also owns a bowling alley called the Stucky Bowl. And uh, in one of the episodes... I don't think he owns it. Huh? I don't think he owns it. I think that's just where his office is. Yes. I think it's actually owned by Michael Ian Black. Yes. And... uh, and in one of the episodes, uh, you don't see him eat it, but he mentions that he's recently had a peanut butter and bacon sandwich and that the bacon fat mixes with the peanut butter and, it, and it's really delicious. And me and my friend Graham were like, let's have that today because we've got the ingredients. 
So we made it and it was great. And we ate it all the time until we told one of our friends about it. And she said, do you have any idea how unhealthy that is for you? <laughs> and we were that like, no. Good. And uh, then she was like, you shouldn't be eating that every single day. And then we stopped eating it. Well, that's what killed Elvis. Peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. I think he had peanut, peanut butter, bacon and banana sandwiches. Yeah. Sometimes put some ice cream in there as well, like an absolute king. God, that sounds fucking great. I say I don't like food, but that's that's got me interested in it. And now I'm like, tell me more about this food. <laughs> food sounds great. Also, we, make, yeah, get the bacon just right. I like it crispy. Mm. I, don't, I don't like all flabby, fatty bacon. Get it nice and crispy. Uh, we had crunchy peanut butter, but you can do, do it with uh, smooth, but actually really good with crunchy peanut butter. Brett's writing down the recipe. Brown bread. I'm literally writing it down. I'm so excited. Yeah. What I will say is I've... What I have discovered, again, I'm lying about not caring about food because I do absolutely love peanut marmite peanut butter. Peanut butter marmite. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love it. And then the other day I went to the shop and they've got marmite hummus. I thought, I'll try it. I fucking love it. Turns out marmite goes with everything. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Mate, have you had the marmite yeah. cashews? Oh, yeah. Marmite cashews oh, is great. Wow. Marmite cheese. Yeah. Marmite chocolate brownies. Oh, I can't see anything it won't work with. To donate £5, text the word COMIC to 70205. Text cost your donation amount plus your standard network message charge and 100% of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be 16 or over and please ask the bill payer's permission. For full terms and condition, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Now, for both of you, I, I think you can be have a sincere answer for this. You might not. It's up to you, of course. But uh, the question is, what's the meal that means the most to you? Not necessarily the food, but because of what happened at that meal that will always be a very special meal to you. The genie, why don't you go first this time? Well, so Milton Jones was like one of the first um, comics that I supported. on. I supported Joe Solomon Milton Jones on tours. I was starting out in comedy and it was, you know, comedy finally becoming my job. And everything was very exciting. And at the end of that Milton Jones tour, I'd done Josie's tour, then Milton's tour, back to back. And at the end of it, we got taken uh, for a meal at one of Heston's restaurants. But it's Heston's like pub one. It's like he's got some pub, you know, more pub, uh, gastro pub kind of thing. It was outside of London. I can't remember what it's called now. The Heinz Head, the Great Benito says. And we went there and the meal was fine, but it was more that while having the meal at the end of the tour, I remember thinking, oh, I'm a, I'm a comedian now. This tour's over, and I'm gonna. After this, I'm gonna. I'm not. I don't have to go back and work at the school. I can carry on doing gigs. It was very nice, but very small. You know, the kind of small fancy foods and stuff. But you know, I think, uh, we, yeah, we can all relate. Uh, the three of us to that moment when you go, oh, I don't have to. This is my job. And uh, I remember, yeah, having that meal and realizing at that meal that this was my job. That's lovely. I feel like did did uh, Milton Jones like do something like you know knight you or something like was there a ceremony that was like <laughs> now you are a comedian did he put like a red nose on you or like what what happened Yeah, he gave me a Hawaiian shirt and some wax for my hair, and he said, "This is what <laughs> go out into the do. world and uh, and do one liners." Support supporting Milton. The main thing you get from mm. people all the time was people coming up to you after after the show. You go out and fans want his autograph and as a support act you're standing to one side and they kind of while they're waiting for him they want to chat to you about about him and they'd always go is he like that off stage as well 
is he always like it going, are you kidding me? Be absolutely insufferable. <laughs> uh, they say that, and one of one of them, this is before I really knew, I, I did know Ed quite a little bit then, but we weren't hanging out all the time. But uh, Ed was supporting Greg Davis at the same around the same time and uh, came out of a gig in Oxford and this guy came up to me and went, I'll tell you who the best support act is that I've ever seen <laughs> after I've just done a gig. Ed Gamble. <laughs> you seen Ed Gamble? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, right, get a load of this. And then he performed Ed's full routine about having a having a circumcision to me. <laughs> and I had to stand there and listen to this guy, but this guy half remembering the whole routine and going, and then he gets, he gets his foreskin cut off, right? They cut off his foreskin. And he hasn't got a foreskin anymore. And then uh, he that wakes up and he wakes up and he looks at the nurse <laughs> and he's like, he goes, oh, um, I, I came in for an eye operation. <laughs> And he's like, and then I pissed myself laughing, and my missus was next to me, and she was pissing herself laughing. And Greg Davis were good, but like, we keep talking about that foreskin routine. That guy, he doesn't have a foreskin anymore. <laughs> I, I went, I've got to do a podcast with that guy. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, that's that's essential to the future. <laughs> that guy's that guy doesn't places. have a foreskin. <laughs> that's a lovely answer, the genie. Thank you. What about you, Petty Pambles? What's the uh, meal that means the most to you? I ate my own foreskin. <laughs> 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 like like it was the I've heard this routine from somewhere. <laughs> I just want to quickly say that when I used to tour with Greg Davis and uh, I never stood to one side when he was having photos, people would always ask me to take the photos for them and I'd always cut his head off in the photo. You couldn't do one date on that tour and I yeah. stood in for you. Yeah. My God, Greg is such a nice man. He has photos with the whole audience yes. and you're there for... Hours afterwards. Yes. I don't blame you for entertaining yourself and doing stuff like that. But the problem the problem is they'd, they'd check the photo and then realise the head had been cut <laughs> off and then I'd have to take it again. So we were there for double the time. <laughs> Emil, I remember. The time me and James and Lloyd yes. Langford and John Robbins went to New York featured oh. mm-hmm. some of the great meals. Yeah, yeah. Some of the great meals. Uh, and if you'll remember, Brett, it was all over the splashed all over the news. We got stranded there because of a blizzard. Huge news. Um, yes. I did a hit show about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we got stranded there, and we were in a restaurant called The Dutch. It was really snowing yes. outside, and that's when we got the text saying our flight had been cancelled. Not just postponed to a different date, cancelled. And we were sat there having this amazing meal, and we realised that we did a minute of panic of what we're going to do, how we're going to get home. And then we looked around and we're like, we're in a fantastic restaurant. And then it was the most freeing feeling in the world. We were like, I guess we're just ordering another bottle of wine. We're getting dessert. And who knows what we're going to do. We just have to enjoy this meal as much as possible. And that was, was that's such a great feeling. We did have so many memorable meals on that holiday. Because every single, because also up until that point, we basically had our holiday double. It was like five days and then another four days or something. Yes. And until then, because we were like, We've only got five days here. We had three special meals a day. I had to make each one of them count as well. And the whole day was just, you know, planned around. We're eating there and then we'll walk to this part of New York and have lunch there. And then that we'll walk over to that part and have dinner. So like pretty much three memorable meals a day. But I remember that one. Also for me, that was quite a, one of those pressure meals because like I had been to the Dutch before, but you guys hadn't, I don't think. And so it was my kind of suggestion that we do it. Or it was like, I definitely put my name to it. Yeah, I've been like, yeah, this yeah. is my recommendation, guys, and it has to be good. And uh, we had a great meal. And then when that moment happened, when we got the wine, but we also decided to get all the desserts on the dessert menu. 
and they came over. And one of them was so good that I grabbed Ed's arm and said, fuck you. Because it was tasting so, <laughs> it tasted so good. Uh, <laughs> did it have marmite in it? It was like a mint chocolate layered ice cream cake thing. Yeah, oh, it was good. Oh. We went there again at the end of the trip. We did. We went there again because it was my birthday then, so it's like my birthday meal. Yeah, and, we, and me, you, and John went. I can't remember what Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd wasn't. Asleep. Lloyd had a cold sore and he wasn't feeling well. <laughs> you love cold sores, don't you, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, what is the meal that you thought was the sexiest? Paddy Pambles, let's go with you, since the genius. It's a hard question, isn't it? It's a difficult question. What is food is sexy? Mm. To be honest, I any time I eat a meal with my significant other... You are aroused. Yeah, to start with. And then any sense of arousal is immediately dampened after I eat as much food as possible and drink a bottle of wine. At which point, first in the tears. Yeah. At which point, I feel like a big beach ball with a <laughs> tiny little hook penis. There's nothing arousing or sexy right. about me. Ho- I feel horrible. Yeah, I, I, I'd say for the same reasons. I've never really got to the end of a meal or even. And thought, man, I, I would really yeah. love to have sex and just try not to fart the whole time. That's that, that'll <laughs> yeah, be great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, holding in a fart like my life depends on it. So the, I mean, the sexy stuff really has to come pre-meal, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm. But if you're talking about the food itself, I don't know, pasta. Yeah, that would do. Genie. <laughs> the thing is, you know, we, your mind works differently to ours, Brett. And you, mm. we could say to you, why is this thing sexy? And you would, you would be able to tell us. Mm. Here's why this is sexy. Don't know if I've ever. I mean, obviously, desserts. Are up there with just eating a good dessert is up there with you know some of the best feelings and I guess sex is also up there with some of the best feelings. So I'd say some of the best desserts I've had. What about the one where you grabbed Ed's arm and said "fuck you"? Yeah, well that's, that's pretty sexual actually. Yeah, yeah. that is pretty sexual. Fuck Maybe that's, you! I'm that, eating that. a mint chocolate. Tart, <laughs> whatever happened? Yeah, mint chocolate Shot ice cream tart. stack cake. Yeah, I mean that. <laughs> Felt pretty pretty sexual if it made me yeah. grab my friend's arm and say "fuck you." <laughs> now there's a sub subcategory: uh, troubling boners, worrying wide ones. Which meal did you find arousing, what? and you weren't sure you should? Now my answer is uh, the meal that Ed just talked about, where he felt like a bloated beach ball with a hook penis. <laughs> That's my troubling boner. What about you two? Hold on a second. Is this is this a regular? You haven't. When I've been on your podcast, you've not asked this question. Is yeah, this a regular yeah. bit in your podcast oh, where you say, you know why? "When, when did you have a boner?" and you were worried about what it said about. Yeah, it? yeah. You did the first episode. It didn't. It, this question didn't arrive until Nathaniel Metcalf brought it to my attention, and then it's been ever since. And then you did a resurrection. So you've never answered that question. Why don't we do one crossover back, and you answer the film you found arousing? but you weren't sure you should because you are actually the only person who hasn't answered that and we don't yet know if you're a pedo or not. <laughs> My genuine sexual awakening was watching a Hanna-Barbera cartoon where, where an egg becomes sexy. And I found, I found the egg, the cartoon egg, uh, who falls into a pot of boiling water and, and, and comes out of it uh, all sexy. I found that really arousing. Mm. James, this is your answer to both, both versions, meal and film. That's yeah, a sexy meal. You fancy it's an egg. It's a sexy meal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the egg. The egg in the yeah. cartoon that came out of the pot all sexy. How did it come out sexy? What what changed? Before it went Just in, it, it was quite a coy lady egg with a little like pink bow in her hair and stuff. And then she went in the water right. and came out like Sandy D 
uh, at the end of you know, it's like a proper Sandy D thing, and came out like you know, said like a leather jacket and shit, leather jacket, big stilettos, big eyelashes, and and just mm. being really mean to the boy egg. It was like suddenly went from. They were kind of, you know, fancying each other a little bit, the two eggs. Mm. And then she fell in the pot and then it was like, whoa, this isn't fancying anymore. This is like something's going to happen. And I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't understand any of that stuff. But I was like, this feels different. And then the boy egg fell in the water and came out all mean. And I didn't like that. I was like, oh, no. And so I knew I want to be the nice little boy egg. And you want the mean girl? With the mean girl. At the end of the egg film, with the sexy mm. eggs, she comes out of Sandra D, he comes out mean. Do they fly mm. off in a car at the end? No, they don't fly off in a car. I think they... Um, I mean, I kind of blocked the ending from my head, so maybe they just bang until they become a big plate of scrambled eggs. <laughs> also, why, why did you decide you wanted to be the nice egg? Because it sounds like the nice egg didn't get the, the, the fit egg. It's not, I didn't decide it. My body just didn't respond the same way. Right. There was the, the point in the cartoon where they're both nice, mm. my body was doing nothing. The point in the cartoon where she's mean and he's nice, my body was like, I want to fuck that egg. And then the right. ending, when they're both mean, I was like, you were like no, nah, no, don't, don't like this. You don't like to be equals with the egg that you're after. I he likes it. to be subservient. You're yes. a submissive. Yeah. Yes. That's what it is. And that's why now he still, he pays women to whip him with omelettes. Yes. I go in and I give them a whisk and I go, let's do this. Beat me. (laughs) All right. What's the meal that is objectively the greatest meal of all time? Ped. Fried chicken. Yeah. Agreed. Every nation has a version of fried chicken. Every food culture. Mm. I like shit fried chicken. I like amazing fried Mm -hmm. chicken. Fried chicken is always there for you. Fried chicken is delicious. What an ad. I wish that was an ad because you were (laughs) really good at them. The genie. Ice cream. Ice cream is always there for you. Ice cream is delicious. (laughs) Shit ice cream is shit, though. Sure. Is it? And I love it. Because shit, you can get like icy, like when it's too icy or it's been frozen wrong or crystallised or the flavour's not Mm. good enough. Whereas I think bad fried chicken has its own merits. Nah. Bad fried chicken offers feel like, oh, this is going to kill me. Yeah. And it doesn't even taste nice. Whereas bad ice cream... I'm like, well, this will do until the good ice cream comes along. <laughs> What's the one meal you could eat over and over again? Same as what I just said. Ice cream. And you? Lasagna. <laughs> lasagna. <laughs> lasagna, is it? Yeah, love lasagna. Genuinely, right. lasagna, I could eat it all day, every day, but it's not socially acceptable. I could get up, eat lasagna all day, go to bed, get up, eat lasagna again. My answer isn't really ice cream because I couldn't do that and I don't do that because, like, if I've had ice cream one day, I don't want it the next day because I don't want to overdo it. So My grandma once okay, made always. lasagna and I ate so many portions of it that night that I was sick off the top of a bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> onto what? Floor. Not onto, Not onto the, the person, person below, below, sadly. Not onto the they just took their head out to see how you were. Yeah. You saw that one. lasagna. Nan, come up here. Keep a thing on my face. Jeannie, what's the meal you could eat over and over again? Well, the one I've been eating the most, we're, we're recording this during uh, lockdown at the minute, and the one that I've been eating the most over the past year at home, and I never get sick of it, and I've got to the point now where every time I eat it, I literally say out loud to my girlfriend how how much I never get sick of it. And I was like, oh, I just I look forward to it every time. I think it's great. Um, so she's got to put up with that same speech every time we eat it, is the, the chorizo and broccoli pasta that we do. So we, you chop up, chop up the broccoli stems, uh, chop up the chorizo, garlic and chilli, have them in the pan, uh, 
get get some nice pasta, put that in with it once it's boiled, yeah. and then chuck in uh, capers mm. and uh, some par- uh, grated parmesan. And every single time, it just tastes amazing. And That's I could great. eat that every day. Um, every time I have it, I'm just like, really, the main thing this last year has been making sure that we space out our chorizo and broccoli, broccoli pasta, pasta meals, meals because otherwise we know that we're just going to have it every day. That sounds really good. Yeah. I'm going to make that. And I'll tell you why I like that, James. Yes. It's because you've got chorizo, capers, yeah. and parmesan in there. Three huge, strong flavors. That is yes. getting, that's what I like in a meal. I want to feel like I'm being kicked in the face. They're great and <laughs> great way of dealing, of uh, using up your broccoli stems <laughs> in a way that, you know, in a tasty dish. You use your broccoli for something else. All the, all the broccoli heads, delicious, but get those stems. Chop them up. Gives gives the dish some crunch. It's so good. What's uh, I normally don't like being negative, but you know it's about food, so I don't really care. What's the worst oh, meal you ever ate, the genie? On Josie Long's tour that I mentioned earlier, we stopped at a B and B at one point, and when we got there, the lady said to us, "I know why you're here," and we were like, "Yeah, well, why to stay over?" But she was like. You've heard about my award-winning breakfasts, my award-winning fried breakfast, and she showed us when we were signing in at the desk the certificate that she had framed on the wall for best fried breakfast, and she showed us to our rooms and said, "So you'll all be wanting the fried breakfast tomorrow, I assume." And we hadn't thought about doing that. But we went, oh, "Yeah, okay, yep, fine." And then we got up in the morning. And she was like, "Oh, I was worried. You were. I was thinking, where are you?" Well, they, they, they can't be missing breakfast. It's the fried breakfast time. I've, I've got the fried breakfast ready. And then we all sat down and she brought out the fried breakfast and it was the worst meal I've ever had. It was absolutely disgusting. Um, for the rest of the day, my stomach was like a lava lamp because she'd used way too much oil. And I could just feel all the oil just swimming around in my stomach like a big old lava lamp. We all kept on commenting on how we felt sick for the rest of the day. It was not nice while we were eating it. It was even worse afterwards. And the, and the effects of it, just stayed with us for a full 24 hours of just feeling like we'd just downed a bottle of olive oil and then went about our day. Uh, it was just so bad, especially because I've never had a meal hyped up to me so much by the chef before, <laughs> but, but, but like a whole day leading up to it. So easily. Left. I'd love to see the, the certificate on the wall. I'd like to have seen sort of who had made it, who, had, who was accredited to this award, like where yes. the award, who'd awarded it love to know so many questions the real i reckon there's a podcast in that mystery um (laughs) petty pambles what's the worst meal you ever had i did a television show called almost royal uh where me and amy hoggett traveled around america thank you um pretend to be members of the royal family and there were very long days on that on that show so meals very important as i'm sure you understand brett up very early in the morning you've got to have your coleslaw at some point yeah gotta have it gotta (laughs) have it sometimes when are you going to get it in up very early in the morning, travelling around, exhausting, pretending to be in the royal family to real people. Concealing secrets is quite quite draining. So lunch, incredibly important. It was always up to the fixer who was different every city. So they'd be taking us around the city and showing us the best places to eat and stuff and driving us around. And I think we were in San Antonio and um, she'd heard, the fixer, that there were some veggies and vegans on the crew so she decided to take us to a, the only vegan restaurant she knew in the area. You know, I'm not against that. I wasn't as on board with it then as I was now. And it was a cafe attached to a spiritual bookshop. Um, 
it was a sort of bookshop that sells like books about which crystals to get if you want to cure cancer. That like proper bullshit bookshop. Yeah. How dare you? Uh, sorry, I forgot you love that stuff. And I was so hungry. I was like blinded by hunger. I was quite angry as well. And the lady said, do you eat meat? I said, yeah. She said, well, we obviously don't do meat here, but I recommend our bacon cheeseburger. It's like a riff on a bacon cheeseburger. I said, well, that sounds very nice. I love those words. It was, I'll take you through it. The bun, <laughs> Instead of a bun, which you would have thought you can have a bun in a vegan meal, they replaced mm. the bun with two raw portobello mushrooms. <laughs> the raw. burger was a cooked portobello mushroom. <laughs> the cheese was bean spread and the bacon was dried coconut. Oh, wow. I've never wow. been I've never been angrier. <laughs> and it fucked I don't think any of the scenes that we filmed after that lunch are in the edit. God. To donate five pounds, text the word COMIC to 70205. Text costs your donation amount plus your standard network message charge. And 100% of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be 16 or over, and please ask the bill payers' permission. For full terms and conditions, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. What's the meal that made you laugh the most? You're both in comedy. Mm. What's the funniest meal you ever had? Uh, the genie. My family and I mm-hmm. went to Banbury and we went to a little tea shop and we were sat around a table and a little old lady, really old, uh, doddery old lady, run the tea shop, it's her tea shop, and we all asked for tea and Banbury cakes. And she went and she brought them over and we're, it was a round table, and she gave us all our tea, and she put out all the Banbury cakes. My brother was on the opposite side of the table to her, and she looked at him and she went, here's your Banbury cake, and she leant over and did a massive fart as she was handing it to him. And uh, and we couldn't stop laughing for the rest of the day, mainly because she said, here's your Banbury cake, and then farted. It was because she had said, here's your Banbury If she'd just farted, it would have been funny, but she said, here's your Banbury cake, and while looking at him and handing him a Banbury cake, farted. So that was the best, it was the best, most funniest, my mum crying laughing. Did she laugh, the woman? No, she just said, pardon me, and then she and then she <laughs> went back into the kitchen. Even worse. Did you all laugh in her face? Yeah. Or how did right? We couldn't help it. We were like, <laughs> you know, us kids weren't, you know, weren't old enough to not be able to. And my my dad wasn't laughing, but he was telling my mum to stop laughing. My mum had tears streaming down her face before the lady even left the table. Like she just couldn't hold it together because the timing of it all was just too perfect. Or he was the last one to get his Banbury cake. Here's your Banbury cake. Looked at him and departed. It was like so disrespectful. And as for you, here's your Bambi cake. <laughs> Farted. <laughs> Loved it. That's great. Petty Pambles? Some of the meals where I've laughed the most, I don't really remember why I was laughing. Um, and they normally happened when we were writing the Greg Davis sitcom Man Down. Big fan. Uh, me, Mike Wozniak, Steve Morrison and Greg Davis. It was a great fun time. I uh, helped them write series three and four. Um, and obviously the best you're two series. Thank you. Widely considered to yeah. be by me. You know that feeling where you're locked in a room with people writing for hours and hours every day, and you basically establish your own bizarre language between each other, uh, and in jokes and catchphrases, and then you go out into the real world, and none of that changes. So you're just normal people sat in like a 
in a real situation, but you're just going blah, 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 talking absolute <laughs> shit at each other, like catchphrases. Like we called each other bodybuilder for six months straight. Mike Wozniak still refers to me as bodybuilder, and we had so many meals. We were just crying with laughter, uh, and it all escalated to the Christmas meal we had. Um, where we bullied Mike Wozniak for an hour and a half, and then we all got in a cab to go back to Greg's flat, and we threw Mike's glove out of, gloves out of the window. In the car? Out of the car, out of the taxi window. We threw one one of his gloves out the window, um, and then he was like, please don't throw my other glove out of the window. And then we threw his other glove out the window, and then we called him Double Glove for the rest of the night and started singing, Double Glove, it's easy because you're beautiful. Just witless, yeah. witless bullying. He was probably walking around going, huh. That was our other our other <laughs> joke about Mike. One day he turned up to a writing session. He felt weird and he didn't know why. He wasn't hungover, uh, but he felt hungover and he kept just going, I feel weird. And then just out of nowhere would go, huh, and like thrust his hips to try and get rid of the weird feeling. <laughs> just madness. Just when you just you just cook in the same room as people. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> What's a horrible answer? (laughs) You probably don't get that though now, do you, Brett? Because you're like writing over Zoom and it's like you're writing with people you have to seem semi-professional in front of, right? There's an element of of Zoom. No, but then it still all all happens, you know, that semi-professionalism. I can't really see you, you know ganging up on one of the other writers with everybody else and bullying them no, and not, then throwing their no gloves out of the window. In, we don't, there's no bullying. In, it's sort of one of the kind of, I don't know if you've seen the show, but we're quite big on not bullying. Yeah. It would be great if the secret behind Ted Lasso is, they're yeah. fucking horrible. They yeah. are fucking yeah. horrible. That's the twist on Ted Lasso, yeah. that they're not Lasso. Sorry, cut that or bleep that. <laughs> we've had a i've had a wonderful time actually i've really enjoyed finally getting to do a podcast with petty pambles and the surprise guest the genie uh but when the genie when you granted joel domit's wish to be mm. the winner of the Masked singer when the rules were changed to the winner of the Masked singer is the person that is told take it off take it off they take off their top they have to stand next to joel domit with his top off and then joel domit decides if they've got a better body than him and they never win <laughs> when you granted that wish and then you immediately died and when you petty pambles uh, auditioned for ted lasso in front of me jason wasn't there but i was wearing a sticker that said jason Sudeikis, <laughs> and you got so excited and nervous that uh you put a vein in your forehead. It did, to be fair, say in the script, this character gets well angry. And um, you really got into it, but then your brain exploded. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I immediately I started eating it, obviously. Uh, you put, you died in front of me. I thought, I'll eat your brains. I had to. <laughs> it's what I, I had a coffin on me. <laughs> I had a coffin on me. I stuffed you in the coffin. I see the genie dead over in Joel Dobbitt's dressing room. And I said to Joel Dobbitt, you're not even going to, you're just going to ignore it. And he said, well, he served his purpose. You know what Joel Dobbitt's like. He said, so served his purpose. Don't care that he's dead. And then he kicked, he bloody kicked the lamp. And I said, Joel, come on, man. Your TV's nice guy. And he said, oh, nice guy's really nice guy off camera. And I said, I haven't seen you in ages. You used to be so nice. And he, and he started kicking the lamp, kicking the lamp, <laughs> kicking it with his perfectly toned calves. And I said, stop it, Joel. And I grabbed the lamp and I stuffed it in the coffin with Ped Pamble's corpse, brainless corpse. And I put him in the coffin. And the thing is, there's only enough room to slip two meals into the coffin with you both. 
for you to take to the other side. And on the other side, in this weird heaven that you've you you're in, there's dinner every night. And one night it's your special dinner, and one night it's your special dinner. What dinner are you taking to share with people when it's your turn for dinner club in food heaven? Petty Bambles. Ribeye steak, cooked medium rare, crispy chips, roasted Brussels sprouts, halloumi, and a big bar of chocolate. Oh, that's a fucking good meal. Yeah? I'm going to that one. Yeah. What about you, the genie? I'm taking the chorizo and broccoli pasta and a massive bowl of ice cream. Okay, I'm going to Ed's one, but that does sound lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for doing this very special episode of Menus to be Buried With. Menus to be Buried With. Of Films to be Menued With, with (laughs) Petty Pambles and the Genie. I've been Bradley P. I've been Brett Goldstein. And this has been Comic Relief. Please give all your money to it. You know what? If you've listened to this and you don't give money to Comic Relief, you're also a <laughs> leaker. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Your donation is powerful. The money raised by Red Nose Day can help people living incredibly tough lives. Take action against domestic abuse, tackle mental health stigma, provide safety to families who need support, and help to give children the best start in life. Your donation will help people living incredibly tough lives both here in the UK and around the world. Even the smallest gift can help. Please, if you are able, give now at comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Good luck. Thank you. Have a lovely week. And please, be excellent to each other. I'm going to kill myself. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.